nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic. I'll be your host for today's nonprofit MBA podcast, as I have been for the last six years. I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. And for those of you who don't know about Financing Solutions, we are actually the leading provider in the United States of lines of credit to small nonprofits. So yes, there's a company specifically specializes in lines of credit for nonprofits. If you are interested in learning more about a line of credit for your business, uh, for your organization, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And today uh, we do have a sponsor, uh, as we usually do. It's Arrays Fast Fund Online. It's A-R-A-I-Z-E. And they are uh, accounting software that's specifically made for small to medium-sized nonprofits. And uh, one of the nonprofits I'm a part of, well, we, we moved to them and you know, we're really happy with them. It's, it's a lot better in QuickBooks, specifically made for nonprofits. So again, if you want to learn more, just go to arraise.com, A-R-A-I-Z-E.com or call Joe at 866-840-7449. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with uh, Selena Shands from Full Capacity Marketing. And uh, Selena is born and raised in North Carolina. And Selena approaches business like a true Southerner, relationships first, business second. She is the founder, CEO of Full Capacity Marketing, a 20-plus year national consultancy specializing in brand storytelling and strategic communications. As a former female athlete of the year, Selena attributes her love of sports as a driving force and passion that she puts into every single project. Uh, Full Capacity Marketing has a customer-centric model and has earned the company more than 75 global awards for her customers for its customers who have built sustainable and relevant brands across the nation. Selena, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thanks so much, Stephen. It's great to be here with you. So um, <clears throat> what was the sport that you were Athlete of the Year for? Uh, basketball. I, I played mm. all sports. In North Carolina, there's not a lot to do. So you end up doing uh, playing sports. And I played everything, but I specialized in basketball in uh, college and loved it. Loved it. Cool. Cool. And what school did you go to? Uh, I started out at University of North Carolina at Wilmington and then transferred uh-huh. to East Carolina University. Also yeah, no. in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good. Um, how, how do you think the sports world participating in that type of sports has helped you in your business? I think in sports, it's a great mentor because it allows you to really focus on being goal-driven, uh, goal-oriented, and working among teams, team members. And it allows you to look at what you're really strong at and depend on other people in, for, in ways maybe mm, that you're not so strong in. And so that's how I've developed teams my whole life is really lean into what I do well and then surround myself with talented people. And that makes for a winning combination. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I played um, uh, Division One college baseball as well. Mm, and and okay. I played a lot of sports just like you did. And mm-hmm. it's just a side note from today's topic. 
Um, you know, I was always like you had the same feeling that um, people who played at a high level of sports were um, going to be good employees. Mm -hmm. And I actually have had the opposite experience. Oh, really? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. It's, you know, and it's been a number of occasions. I've had my, my, I've had some good ones, but I've Mm -hmm. also had a lot, quite a number of bad ones too. So maybe it's because um, if, if they're leaders in their sports, maybe they're born to be entrepreneurs and not employees, which is two different mindsets. Yeah, that wasn't it. (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't it. You know, I think there's, there's, even when I played baseball, there was a significant amount of ki- people on the team who, you know, I was amazed that they were in college and that they all they cared about is playing baseball and they mm-hmm. didn't care about school. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you here for? And and so some of the athletes I had hired in the past just really weren't that smart. I hate to say it. They just really mm, weren't that smart. You know, they were good athletes. And driven, maybe not even know driven, but they were talented, but on the field, but didn't translate into business. So, um, but again, I, there's, you know, there's forever rule. There's an exception. So um, anyway, it was just a side note. Um, So let's talk a little bit about today's topic, which is how nonprofits can position their brand to solidify their niche. Um, And, you know, I, it is a great subject that I, and I was excited to talk about it today. What do you think uh, when, you know, most of our cl- uh, our listeners are smaller nonprofits, well, what happens if you don't define your brand early? Yeah, it's a big mistake because if you think about it, research will show that we see anywhere, depending on what market we're in, between 3,000 and 10,000 advertising marketing messages daily. So just think about that. You're not only competing and vying for competing against other nonprofits and vying for attention and funding, but you're also competing with the noise in the market. What is going to get and engage your clients that you're trying to attract or your funders, your donors? You know, what is that message? So we have a saying over here that if you miss the message, you miss the mark. You also will waste a lot of valuable money and resources going out there and doing a bunch of stuff like social media, advertising, you know, blogging, and not really getting the right message across through those mediums is going to be a disaster. So it's really important to start with figuring out your brand and what we call your brand blueprint. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I have an. I have a, uh, an idea that I know what the answer to this question is going to be. But let me ask you this: you you get a call from somebody and says, you know, I think we need to spend some time. I'm really building our brand. People don't know us. We're competing against other people. Blah blah blah. You know, what is the first question that comes out of your out of your mouth when you ask that person for you know maybe you talk a little bit more about an engagement and. Uh, what is the one of the questions that you would ask that person? Well, one of the questions I would say is, okay, you have a brand already, but do you know what people think, feel, and or say about your organization now from an objective, yeah. data-driven standpoint? 
Because if you don't know that, and let's say you're trying, you know, what perceptions do you need to change in the in the current market, and where do you want to go? And without having that data, um, you're just guessing. You're throwing darts, or you may get in a room and brainstorm and say, "Hey, this sounds really good." but it's going to miss the mark because it's not data driven. And so that to me is really, I, I sort of, I go on a fact finding discovery phase as to what they've done and have, and what data have they used? And usually the answer is, well, we don't really have a lot. We've got some customer satisfaction surveys. We've talked to a few people, but it's nothing that's really structured that can give them a firm direction on where to take their brand strategy. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I think the key that you said, which was data driven, right? Because someone will say, well, this is what I think people think and blah, 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 blah. But, right. you know, then you then your next one is, well, you know, how do you know what's the data to support right. it? Right. Um, so that's, you know, I have you found that the majority of people who are coming to you um, have already identified their, uh, the purpose, mission, culture of their organization? Yes, they, they have. have. They have. And um, we evaluate it, though, because part of the data is when you're talking to customers, whether that can be through surveys, focus groups, interviews, what, whatever methodology you're going to use, you know, a good question to ask is, well, what do you think we do? And then the other one is, well, what do you think we do better and differently than similar nonprofits in our space, right? Uh, and it's interesting. I would even ask your internal staff that question. What do you think our mission statement and our vision statement means? What do you think our values mean? Because you could have a value up on your website that says innovation. Well, what does that mean exactly? Is it mean you're going to look at large scale community issues that no one is tackling and find a way to bring a solution to them. Like what, what are the, I always say the devil's in the detail, right? So in this process, what we find is sometimes we end up tweaking the mission, vision, and values because the data is showing other things or we're using words that may sound good, but they don't hold value in the eyes of your clients, funders, and donors. Yeah, I also, I, I agree with you. And I think too, it's, you know, the, the, mission values culture it's not mm -hmm. it's not for you the management team it's for everybody right and, and so you have to go over that stuff over and over again and you know asking someone who's you know, if you have innovation as one of your culture i agree with you you know you're you're right in saying you know so what does that mean to us right and you have to ask those questions and remind every people why you do what you do and the culture of the organization and things like that do you ever find that the branding project that you work on for the external customers helps the internal, oh, well, not the internal customers, but the employees? Oh, absolutely. Yes, because it's very eye-opening. And I love the process because it's very objective. It's like, we're not coming in and saying, hey, your brand is this. It's like your customers or your prospective customer or your ideal client, whatever we're defining there. This is what they think. Is this what you want them to think? 
No, in fact, our mission says something completely opposite. Okay, well, let's look at that. Why does why do you think they think that? Sometimes I will warn a focus group, like let's say we're doing a quantitative survey and we've got enough trends to show, okay, we gotta go and talk to people now and ask second and third level questions. But it is very eye-opening and it can actually change the culture because the employee may say, well, that's not what we want to do at all, you know, but yet we have this out there on, on our, on our online footprint everywhere in our social media and our uh, website and everything. So we're missing the mark there. And maybe it's just a small tweak, but it can make a huge difference. And I know this would be a guess on your part, but that's okay. What percentage of the time do you, uh, do you have an engagement with a client for a branding project? And it turns out that the the branding project that they want to do with their customers is different than the internal branding project that they have. Does that, that make sense? Um, yeah, it does make sense. It, it's very different. Once you start gathering data, it's like a puzzle, right? You're putting the pieces together and say, wow, you're looking for gaps or disconnects. So then the problem that they set out to solve, maybe not be a problem at all. It could actually have something to do with operations and and what they're doing, or maybe at a certain touch point with a customer. So all those things go into play um, because again, you can't just have a brand blueprint or a brand, you know, uh, mission, vision values that sound great. It really has to resonate and connect in with all your target audiences and your market segments. The, um, what is, what do you think is the biggest mistake that, people who are new to branding make? I think they think it's just about a logo and the look uh, that they want to present to the world. And that's certainly a part of it because your logo and all of that is a certain tone that you set in the market. What is the voice of your brand going to be? Um, but it that actually comes after all the, the data. And, and what I usually step into is people who already have or companies that already have or organizations of mission, vision, values. Um, they have a logo, but they have not taken it the next step on developing a positioning statement and then taking that into a brand promise. And both two, they're both very different. The positioning statement is based on data and interviews and a competitive analysis. Um, what do we do better and differently than those in our in our space? Right, number one. Um, and and then the brand promise is how does that translate in what we want our customers to actually experience? And that could be in the form of a tagline, a sentence, or your key message that you're going to talk about with your brand. And I find that so that's what we call in totality the brand blueprint plus your logo and all of that. That is kind of your foundation plus your messaging with all your target audiences. Once you have that, you're golden. But a lot of times we come in and we find maybe certain gaps are there, um, you know, with the data or maybe they haven't thought through. They can always do a brand refresh, right, in the market and say, okay, well, this is who we've been for a while as our nonprofit, but now, you know, we're having these issues, we're having more competition, we're not meeting our performance goals. So why, right? And a lot of that has to do with the brand blueprint and having some parts omitted. When, now, when you've done a pro branding project for a nonprofit, mm -hmm. how has it been different than a for-profit company? 
You know, it's interesting. They're both, when you look at the process, it's both the same. Both of them use data. You have to do a competitive analysis. You have to understand, um, you know, what we call your brand sentiment. What is your uh, voice in the market? What is your share of voice in the market or on online footprint? So it's no different in the pro- in the process itself. However, the end game is different. In a for-profit, we're trying to reach market share in terms of selling our products and services, right? And we do work with entrepreneurs who are coming to market um, because that is a very viable workforce strategy. In our nonprofit world, we're trying to engage. Um, so we may not be selling things. We may have things that are fee-based, uh, but it's really, you know, we're trying to get um, good trust and value out there in the community. We want them to see us in a positive light. But the end game is really engagement, engagement with your donors, your funders and your clients and being able to tell that story in a way that is compelling. So if you look at that, it, they're re- very much similar, but the end game is different. Um. When you, uh, ha- how has branding changed over the years? Uh, you know, we're certainly well past digital, but, you know, what are you seeing now that's different than it was 20 years ago? Oh my gosh. You know, when I started my company 21 years ago, I just feel really old saying that, but (laughs) when I think about back then, and we've been a virtual company for 21 years, by the way, and I've always felt that I want to be able to go and get talent where the talent is and bring them into the company. So I've always had a virtual business model. This is way before Zoom. We actually, in fact, beta tested a WebEx when it came out. And when the pandemic hit, a part of me that was excited is like, wow, people are on Zoom now. We've been, you know, doing business virtually forever. So that's been a huge change. Um, and I think a lot of it was back then it was email. Still email is still very important, e-marketing, but the tactics have changed and they continue to change. Even COVID changed the tactics for nonprofits. Some of the nonprofits I worked with you know, counted on word of mouth, referral and foot traffic in, right? COVID totally changed that. So now they're more into the digital game. But 20 years ago, oh my gosh, I think about how I did business, you know, good old phone calling and emails, right? That was the way. Now with digital, it's, it's somewhat gotten easier, although in the same breath, also complex, which is why data is really important in driving not only your brand strategy, but your outreach strategy. How are you going to reach the people with that right message through the right mediums? And that change, and, and it changes every day when you look at all the different social media platforms that arise and everything. It's like, my gosh, it become it becomes confusing. Which one do I use that's best for my ideal donor, my ideal funder, my ideal client? And so there's some strategy that goes into that because, again, you mentioned it earlier on that, um, you know, a lot of small nonprofits don't have a lot of funding to spend towards this. So the money that they do have becomes critical in where they put it to get the results. What would you suggest to those type of uh, nonprofits don't don't have a lot of money? They, none of them have a lot of money to put toward a, a branding project. What do you what would you suggest? 
Well, we realize this over at our company. So the way we work with customers is we have a program called the Brand Amplifier. And there's one for entrepreneurs, one for nonprofits and um, public sector organizations. And there's three categories, do it yourself, do it with, with you, which is a coaching and do it for you, which is where we come in. They're all reasonably priced, but let's, I'm, I'm talking to the uh, listeners right now who don't have any money. They're like, you know, we're, we're totally strapped. The do it yourself is a good curriculum, a course to go through because it explains the types of data you need in doing a brand sentiment analysis and how to do kind of a down and dirty approach to building an effective marketing and communication plans. Um, one of the things, and I don't know if, if we can go in and talk about this, it could be a whole show, but um, cause-related marketing is a really fantastic strategy for nonprofits because that can bolster them in the market by getting the support of a for-profit company and the news media as well. We've done cause-related marketing projects with the news media. So this course kind of takes them through sort of how to do all of that on your own. It is still going to take effort. Um, they may find that their progress is more you know, slow, but there are some things, you know, the basics are the basics. You've got to do them. And, and if you keep doing the same things and you're not having that data-driven approach, you're not going to get the results at the end of the day. So that's what we try to focus on doesn't matter the budget, but let's build the capacity. That's why our company's name full capacity. We want people to understand this process that we do here internally, and we may have sophisticated technology, but we can break that down and have folks apply research strategies to help them. Tell me a little bit more about the, when you say data-driven, mm -hmm. what, what do you typically do to try to find someone says, well, you know, Yes. This is what I think our brand is. And then you're like, well, do you have data behind it? And they're like, no. Yes. So tell right. me a little bit about that. So a couple of things, easy things that they can do like right away when a new client comes into your nonprofit. Now, I'm not talking about funders and donors, because each if you look at each market segment, they require different types of data. Right. But let's talk about the clients that a nonprofit serves. One of the easiest things they can do upon intake is ask questions as you're doing the intake. How did you hear about us? Number one, that'll give you some ideas on how your current outreach mechanisms are, uh, you know, working. Number two, what is it you think that we do here? Just curious, you know, you found us. Why did you, why did you come in through our doors? What, what issues are we solving for you today? And document that data because the voice of the customer data is critical. Now you're starting to build a profile of who's coming in your doors and the type of results they're, they're garnering, right? From there, you can also follow that person and be able to tell their story, which is so important for a nonprofit to have that emotional connection with the community. So how did Joe wandering into our office, here was his challenge, here's what we did for Joe, and here's how it changed his life. You could be just like Joe, you know, and that's talking to another client. So voice of customer. The other thing you could do is just do like, let's say you're having an event or something, uh, doing a focus group with some of your current clients or new clients coming in. So interviewing all your market segments, um, donors, having uh, conversations with them to say, you know, why did you uh, choose? First of all, thank you for donating. You know, your donation is incredibly important. Here's what we're doing with it. 
And can you tell me why you donated to us? That why question is really important. So it's really just opening up conversations and most importantly, documenting uh, what they're saying. The other thing that, they, that you all can do right away is a competitive analysis. And how you do that is so simple in my mind. I call it friendly stalking. But think about your three to five top competitors, top nonprofits that, gosh, they keep getting our money. How do they do that, right? And just create a grid with each of the, you know, the organizations and go online, take a look at their brand. What does their brand look like? What is their brand story, their vision, mission, values? Um, what value proposition do they say they're bringing in their brand promise? Who is their customer? And look across all of their online platforms. I would look at their annual reports the funding, the funders that they're getting, the stories, all of that. And then I would do take a look at what are the strengths, weaknesses, similarities, differences, and opportunities between what you all are doing and your top competitors. And if you do those things that we're talking about, now you have kind of the internal data, talking about with your internal customers and clients and donors, et cetera. You have external data and what your competitors are doing. Now you've got a great start to start thinking through, well, what are we doing differently? What are we doing differently? Are we doing anything differently? Should we be? Where's that gap in the market? And then starting to build the messaging around that. Yeah, I would tell you some of the the, the best work that I think I've ever done in my career um, has been on branding projects mm -hmm. because it just leads you everywhere. Competitive, right? Competitive analysis, in, in, uh, internal understanding of your culture, mm -hmm. uh, internal branding, external branding, uh, 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 you know, in, in a for-profit world, uh, customer acquisition yes. and how that, and how that works. And certainly you can translate to, 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 uh, donor, uh, uh, the uh, donor um, acquisition. That, there, mm -hmm. there you go. There's a good word for it. Um, you know, it's just if you work on a branding project, I, I, I'm going to tell everybody. You, anyone who's listening, might say, "Oh, this is another thing to do." Yeah. But honestly, it really fits into everything you do, doesn't it? It really does. And it makes a huge difference in the outcomes. Um, and and think about this way: you're doing things already. But are you doing them strategically or are you just tactical? You're throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what's going to stick. Well, that's wasted energy, right? If you take the time to just take a step back and kind of move through these processes, it makes a big difference. Um, I'll give you an example. We were working with a division with a division within the community college, uh, a community college that focused specifically on adult learners. It's often called kind of the non-credit side of a college where people come in and they get short-term stackable credentials to build skills. There were five departments in this division and they were all working in silos. So they were missing opportunities where like somebody, a, a customer may have been interfacing and learning English, but then there wasn't a, a way to get over to learning a skill, say in office or welding or whatever that is going to be. So when we did that we looked, did the evaluation. The college promised things like we're convenient, flexible, lower credit, we're reachable, we care, that kind of thing. That all sounds pretty good, right? 
It's not yeah. what the students wanted. The benefits the students wanted was make me believe in myself that I can do it because I'm an older learner and I don't, I'm a bit out of touch, right? Show me how to get there, not just throw me in one division, but what's thing. And the most important thing, motivate me to build a better life. So when we looked across all divisions, we were able to create an overarching brand theme on build a better life whether it was learning English better or getting adult basic education skills or or getting a stackable credential. So that then became the theme and the brand promise of what they are going to do, no matter what division you're in. From that, we could build out segmented messages and all of that. And then their job, if this is their brand promise, is to demonstrate how they are helping students, the community, everybody that they want to engage with build a better life. And that became their brand promise. But before it was just like, you could see the difference. They had benefits, right? But it was not what the students wanted. They were motivated by something different. So here they could have spent all this money on an ad campaign with those messages and it would not have hit the mark. Now they are leading the state in enrollments. They're the number one school in community colleges in this realm leading um, enrollments. So, you know, it shows you the power of this. Let me ask you the million dollar question that's on my mind for that. (laughs) And that is, do they actually do surveys of the students after you determine if they're producing the type of education that matches the branding project? Because the branding project sounds awesome. Now, are they really doing it? Yeah. And what's great is not only are they doing it, but they're telling the story of the student and the student is telling the story and saying, here was my challenge coming in. I didn't think I could do it. You know, I'm older. I have kids. I have a challenge. You know, I have these barriers. This is what they did for me. And I can't believe how much my life has changed. I have such a better life. They are saying it, and that's way more powerful than the organization saying it because now you've got the voice of the customer through storytelling. That third-party credibility is huge, way more powerful than even an ad campaign. But um, so, so yes, they are doing it, and they're doing a great job. They've learned a lot. They've they've reorganized kind of how they do outreach around it. Well, this is an example where I said to uh, our listeners earlier that you know, the best projects I ever worked on were always branding projects because they lead you to other things. And I think that, that that example you gave us was a perfect example and how how it really makes a difference, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. And I, and I know it can be overwhelming, but if you just kind of break it down into those simple steps we talked about, just start there and see it, what it, what comes of that analysis. Just start talking to people, but document it so you can start looking at trends. Well, I'll tell you what I would do. I mean, I certainly would go to uh, 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 your website, Full Capacity Marketing. In fact, it's, let's see, is it, what is the URL? It is fullcapacitymarketing.com. I would go there. I would download the uh, self-help or talk to you. And uh, then the next thing I would do is I would just spend an an hour, maybe every two weeks uh, or, or so, and just start, you know, going through it and doing it. And you'd be surprised how much it adds up and how much the momentum goes, especially you don't want to do it just yourself. You want to, you know, have some other people on the team. Correct. 
Absolutely. And this becomes a really fun project for the whole team. And if you break it out, because you're all brand ambassadors, every person in that nonprofit is an important touch point and they have a different point of view based on their job description. So everyone's input is really important and you can break up these tasks so it's not so overwhelming, but you're getting the data and you're also collecting it on an ongoing basis in intake, in the intake process. Again, that's something you could just implement today. We're going to ask these four questions every time somebody comes through the door, right? And that's going to give you a lot of information to help build that database of knowledge. And I I would just tell you from my business experience too, and that is, you know, I'm looking at the topic that we were going to cover today, how nonprofits can position their brand to solidify their niche. And and the key word here isn't brand, it's actually niche. It is. You know, I mean, if you do a really, really, really good job, if you run a really great nonprofit, um, your niche is the key, right? That's really the key. And your brand will, will solidify that too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's what is your unique selling proposition? What do you do different and better than others in a similar space? I know what ours is. We, we work with people, even they're not our customers. I make sure we educate the market on how to do things properly. They may never be our customers, but we want Uh, We really value the missions and we want them to succeed. So whether they're our customers or not, we're going to educate. That's also our way of selling because eventually people, we build relationships with people through this. They begin, they build the trust and then they say, oh, we've got a little bit of money. We're going to go to full capacity marketing because they've helped us with A, B and C. So that's been my business model for 21 years. And it really is, it's wonderful in just terms of helping others and seeing their growth. So that's why we give little strategies like this. It's like, just do this, just spend an hour, you know, and and see what happens. And every one of our webinars, I'm always giving homework assignments, whether I see the people or not (laughs) ever again. I'm like, okay, this is your homework. (laughs) Gotcha. Well, it's a true Southerner, relationships first, business second, right? And although I'll let the audience in that Selena for the last 25 years has lived in San Diego. So (laughs) maybe that's, I don't know, south of the middle of the United States. (laughs) I, you know, so I don't know, but uh, I guess, yeah, but I guess you just can't stop old habits. So I get it. No, especially when my family's still back there. So if I talk to them every day or, you know, and I do talk to them every day. So it's, it's like I never left, but that's okay. Can I, can I share one other really fun thing that we just did? Sure, please. Oh, thank you. So I'm really happy about this. We we became um, most recently um, a best-selling Amazon author in the women's anthology, Business on Purpose, Volume 2. So that's also on our website. It came out September 1, and we hit number one on three spots in the U.S., and um, in, in women in business, service industry, and business etiquette. So I hope people check that out. A lot of the proceeds will go to... Um, to charities and humanitarian causes across uh, the world. So I just wanted to share that because it just came out like last month. Yeah, I'm sure it's great. Congratulations. (laughs) That's great. Thank you. 
All right, so uh, that's all the time we have today. I'd like to thank so very much uh, Selena Shands from Full Capacity Marketing for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast or any of the other ones, please feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please also give us a five-star review. It helps us get the word out. And if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Uh, Selena, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? They can just go to fullcapacitymarketing.com and all of our socials and contact us. There's a consult form there you can complete, and we're happy to set up a consult with you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Stephen. Great to chat. Um, and I just want to, you know, I end every podcast this way. Um, I, I want to thank all of our listeners, not so much for just listening, but just for trying to make the world a better place. Uh, we, I, you know, we all need everybody to contribute. I know Selena does her, her best and I do to try to make the world a better place, but you guys are out there every single day, really making a big difference in your cause. And I thank you for that. I just want to remind you that you're no good to your family, your friends, your employees, your cause, uh, if you're burnt out <laughs> and, you know, solving the world's problems is a, unfortunately a marathon and not a sprint. So you need to think about yourself first. You need to take good care of yourself. We all know what that means, whether it be from exercising, dieting, taking quiet time, whatever it be, you know, it's, it's not dieting, just good nutrition. So make sure you're taking yourself first so you can help everybody else because we certainly need you. Other than that, I want to thank you for listening to the Nonprofit MBA podcast. And please tell your friends we are the number one. Uh, well, we are in the top 1% of all podcasts um, for the nonprofit sector. So we've been doing it for six years and it's been a great podcast. I have great guests on like today. All right, everybody have a fantastic day. I'll see you later.